Welcome to the Everything Early Childhood podcast designed for approved providers, nominated supervisors and other childcare leaders. This fun, lighthearted and very serious podcast features weekly episodes on strategy, advice and conversations with fascinating and inspiring people from across our sector. Join the journey and have access to the tools and inspiration you need to create high performing childcare businesses. Let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Everything Early Childhood podcast, where we discuss things related to early childhood education and childcare businesses. I am your host, Lisa Brown from Platinum Education, and in today's episode, we'll be diving into the topic of protecting your childcare business. Yes, a little bit of a serious episode today, um, because as childcare providers, we know that running our childcare businesses comes with lots of challenges and sometimes we may need to face situations that put our business at risk. But fear not, in this episode we'll be sharing stories um, of these bad experiences and how we've learned from them. Um, We want to provide you with practical tips on how to protect your childcare business. So before we get started, something that's been on my mind the past two weeks is Like, why don't people realize that there's human beings behind everything? Like, I think that we can all do ourselves a little bit of, um, I don't know, like favor, justice, like, you know, we all sort of have an obligation to remember that wherever wherever we are, whatever we're doing, there's always a human on the other side of everything. So I think that sometimes we can be a little bit kinder and um, no matter what we're doing, just take that into consideration that, you know, there is a human and there's a human element to everything. Um, And whether you're frustrated because you've had to line up for a long time or whether you're, um, you know, something's happened and the first person you see at the front desk is, you know, what, who you want to complain to, like everyone is just doing their job and going to them and being angry, going to them and, um, you know, taking it out on them. They're just a human. They're just doing their job. And Jake said, don't talk about that. It's so preachy. Like you sound so preachy, but I think we can always do with that little reminder of just, you know, we do not know what that other human is going through. We do not know what's happening in their life. And often when we have, even when we have parents come into our services, um, you know, they bite our head off or they might seem snappy or quiet today. Often it doesn't even have anything to do with us. It has to do with the, you know, they may have had um, a hard day at work. They may be going through something personally with their partner. Like, you know, we've all had those parents and heard those stories from the kids about the parents that fight at home and then the next, they're like, no, no, they're couple goals. They're such a good couple. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, really, really sad news that they're separating. Like we just, you just have no idea what people are going through. So just a really simple reminder Um, in the beginning of today's episode that, you know, we are all human and there are humans on the other side of everything they can do. So if only our role was really, really simple and it was focused predominantly on children, our lives would be so much easier. We know and we all know 
that the children are not our biggest challenge in our sector, but often it comes back to the families um, or sometimes our team. So most of today's stories and challenges are going to be based around these issues. Um, We're going to talk about three really big things, really big stories, um, real life stories, things that um, I've personally experienced in my career. Um, I hope none of you have to experience these, but the whole reason we talk about these and these challenges is that that we can be proactive instead of being reactive and surprised that these things come up. They may, I hope they don't, but they may come up. So often what happens is that these things are not talked about publicly or talked about at all. People feel ashamed. People can feel embarrassed. People can feel like, oh my gosh, I can't talk about that. But today, Nothing is off limits. Um, So we're going to be talking about three of those big stories um, that have happened, three of those big scenarios that have happened and what you can do in your service and your business to protect yourself. So the first story is... um, I don't even know how long ago. I've lost track of time. Gosh, I have no sense of time. Does anyone else feel that? I'm like, how long ago was that? I always go with five, but I'm like, no, it was way longer. Anyway, so um, I was the director of a service and um, one of our team members, um, we constantly had this parent come in just over this sort of like a period of about a month. um, And he was starting, this parent was starting to get um, more and more agitated as time went on. Um, we were in conversations with this parent because they, um, their child was, um, you know, getting quite aggressive, um, getting quite violent with the other children and really starting to pick fights. The issue came about with this parent when um, the parent came in or the educator was talking to the parent about these issues, um, but then the parent came in and said, no, no, my child is actually the being bullied. So, and often we find this in our sector that the, um, and bullying is a really big term. And I think to children really three to five years understand what bullying is and understand, like we have an obligation to educate the child around, um, you know, the behavior and how it makes somebody else feel and going through those emotions and really having these conversations. So never at any point in time, is it the child's fault? It's our job to educate um, the children. But in this situation, the parent had, um, so we'd gone to the parent, the educator went to the parent to have a conversation um, about their child's um, behavior and challenges that they were finding really to just get on the same page and just work on some strategies together. However, this parent wasn't happy with that and came back that their child was actually being bullied by the other children. And so there was a conflict of um, assessments there that, you know, the parent didn't really want to believe that their child was um, causing harm or, um, you know, causing distress to the other children. And so it became a really complicated situation. But over that period of a month, it escalated and escalated and escalated until one day um, that parent was seen standing over the top of one of the educators, had the educator in a corner, was being very, very aggressive to them, had their finger up in the air. And I mean, like this parent was like a good six six foot tall and, and the educator was like five foot two. So you can imagine, you know, this parent standing over the top of an educator, not in any way is this acceptable. So 
in this situation, what happened? Like, have you ever had this situation happened in your service? And if you did, what would you do? And even like, this is a particular circumstance um, and sort of what led up to this circumstance. However, like, if we think about it, this is a possibility at any point in time. What would you do in your service if you had an aggressive, violent or threatening parent? So what did we do in this situation? This situation, um, so obviously it escalated. One of the other educators ran out of the room to get me. I came back in um, and I isolated the parents. So I got them to come out into the foyer away from obviously the children or the educator. Um, Then I spoke to the parent. The parent then became very aggressive and violent um, with me. Um, Then we started, it, it just escalated. We started to receive threatening phone calls. Um, They started to threaten my life Um, and I used to stay at the service like late at night and it was never really a problem. I always felt really safe and it was probably the only time that I ever felt really unsafe and I'd walk out and I'd check around the premise and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this person could literally be waiting for me. So after uh, a week of receiving these threatening phone calls every single day on my life, um, we went to the police um, and we reported it to the police and we the police actually were really great about it. Obviously, it was just phone calls, but we'd had um, other people who'd witnessed the phone calls. They said, look, there's really not a lot we can do, um, but because of the circumstances, they did go and pay them a visit and just say, hey, it needs to stop. Like, this is not okay. So we needed to really reflect within our service what we were going to do. Um, obviously, we had educators feeling very unsafe. And the first thing we need to do is prioritize safety. So prioritizing safety of your team members and prioritizing the safety of the children. So the first question we asked ourselves is, do we feel safe? No. Do we think the children are safe? No. So in this situation, we thought, well, how can we continue to have this parent allowed in our service when the the educators and we didn't feel that the children were safe with this person coming into the service? Now, there were questions around, well, should we terminate their care? Should we, um, you know, what should we do? And we were all we were all understanding that we were unsafe. We needed to make a change. This was not okay. But instead of it being um, the child who was punished for the for the actions of, you know, their parents, you know, children can't choose who their parents are. So it's never the child's fault. So instead of, um, instead of that, we actually got the other parent in. Um, we spoke to the other parent. We did obviously attempt to talk to the initial parent, um, but it just escalated. We spoke to the second parent about the situation, what had happened. Um, they were completely understanding and we made the decision that instead of terminating the, um, the enrollment, Um, we would terminate the parent that was responsible for the danger that they were not allowed to come into the service. So they had to make other arrangements um, for the child to be collected and dropped off to the service because they were no longer welcome. um, And they were obviously, yes, not welcome. So once the police had visited, once we had... um, sort of terminated that parent from coming into the service, um, things started to die down and and calm. Um, We were very lucky in the sense that this 
child was um, going to school the following year. So we didn't have to sort of deal with that for very much longer after that incident. But what can you do? So again, the first thing, prioritize safety. So the safety of your team member and the children should be your top priority. If the parent is actively threatening physical harm, um, call the police or emergency services immediately. Um, If possible, remove your team member from the situation and ensure they are safe. You also want to ensure that you are safe in these situations as well. You never ever want to put yourself in potential danger. So if you are ever unsure, call the police immediately. Number two is to document the incident. So it's important to document the details of the incident and every incident that came before that and every incident that comes after that. So you want to include the time, the date, the location, um, any witnesses who may have been seen or heard the threat. Um, This documentation may be useful for future reference or legal purposes. Number three is that you want to communicate with the parent as much as possible. So even if you don't feel safe, perhaps you can have a phone call um, or a... um Uh, online meeting. So once the immediate threat has been addressed, you need to communicate with the parent involved. So you want to approach the situation with caution and professionalism and only when it's safe to do so. You want to try to de-escalate the situation and calmly explain that threatening behavior is not acceptable and will not be tolerated in your childcare service. So be sure to follow any policies or procedures outlined in your center's handbook or contract with the parent. Number four is you want to review safety measures. So take a close look at your centre's security measures to ensure that they are adequate in preventing similar incidents in occurring in the future. So this may include implementing or enhancing security measures such as surveillance cameras, um, access to control systems, um, any additional staff training on dealing with potentially volatile situations. It's not something that we should ever, ever have to go through. But unfortunately, there may be times where it may come up. So we just need to be proactive in preparing for any possible situation that may arise. Number five, and this is really, really important, you want to support your team member. So you want to offer support to your team member who experienced the threat. So this may include providing access to counselling services, um, allowing time off if needed, and keeping lines of communication open um, to address any concerns or questions they may have. Now, initially, they may say that they're absolutely fine, but keep checking in with them and keep offering these services to them because often it can come up after the fact um, rather than just initially dealing with the situation. Number six is to follow up and take preventative measures. So after the incident, conduct a thorough review of your policies procedures and training protocols to identify any gaps or areas for improvement. You want to make sure that you take any necessary or make any necessary updates or changes to prevent similar incidents in the future. And then number seven is to seek legal advice if necessary. So if the threat from the parent results in legal or criminal implications, it's important to seek legal advice from a qualified professional to navigate the situation appropriately. So dealing with a parent who physically threatens a team member can be very challenging and a sensitive situation. It's important to handle it with care, 
prioritize safety and take appropriate steps to prevent similar incidents from occurring in the future. So we visit services all the time and whenever we've had an or whenever we've had an incident like this in the past, I'm continually um not surprised, like nothing surprises me anymore. Um, I have to say, like going through so many different experiences and challenges, nothing really surprises me anymore. But what I am surprised about is how many services don't have policies and procedures in place to protect themselves um, against their families. Um, we so we have so many policies, like we'll go into services and they'll have two folders full of policies. And in all of those policies, they'll be about the children, be about protecting them from harm and hazard, child protection, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so many policies about the environment and ensuring. And obviously that's a priority to protect the children from harm and hazard um, and any potential dangers or risks that may occur. However, we also have people in our service. We have parents, we have educators. So how many of your policies are actually directed at the educators? Probably some, but how many of your policies are actually directed at the parents? Most services don't have any. So we recommend having three policies in place, at least these three policies in place to protect your service. The first one is code of conduct. So we have a code of conduct in place for our team, but do you have a code of conduct in place for your families? The second one is termination of care. So in what situations and what circumstances do you as a business and as a service have the right to terminate care? And have these up front so that families understand whether it's a code of conduct or termination of care policy that you may terminate their care due to these reasons. If they do not follow the policies and procedures of the service, you are within your rights to terminate care. So make sure these are written and make sure these are documented. In your code of conduct policy, what behaviours are not acceptable at the service and what would lead to potential termination of care? What are your procedures if a family doesn't follow your policies and procedures? And then the third one, is violence or threatening behavior policy. And so this can come, like I've been in situations, sounds insane, right? Like I've been in situations where I've had two educators actually like fighting, like punching each other in the classroom. I mean, I think I was a trainee at this point, like, and this is what I'm witnessing, these two educators actually like getting into a physical altercation in front of the children at rest time. It was insane. Um, And so what would you do? Like, what do you want your team to do? And what would you do in these situations? I mean, the steps are, we've gone over the steps in regards to um, a parent, which would be very similar if it was an educator. But what are the ramifications for this happening? Um, And how are you going to avoid this from happening? And and what do you want your, how do you want your team members to de-escalate this situation without feeling in danger themselves? So um, I hope, Again, it never happens to you, but um, these are just two, two like scenarios in there that um, yeah I've witnessed and been a part of um, and just want to share. So you just want to protect everybody in your service. All right, the next one is about um, a parent. So a parent accusing a team member publicly on social media of abusing their child. Like this is disgusting. Like one, this parent had absolutely no evidence 
and two, um, like how dare this? And this is where I get at, like in my mind, with the how do these, how do people not understand that there's not another human being on the other side of this? Absolutely, one hundred percent. If a parent is um, worried that this has happened to their child, or they have reason to believe that this has happened to their child, one hundred percent, record it. Like record it. Go to the management of that company. If the manager is or the director is the person you're concerned about, there is always somebody higher. Then, if you, of course, if you're not happy with that, how they dealt with it, or even if you are, report it to the regulatory authority in your state. Like this is what these procedures are in place for, and in order to undertake that investigation and protect children um, from harm and hazard, one hundred percent. But what I don't understand is, yeah, okay, ask for advice. Like you know, I, I'm, this may have happened, um, or I'm I'm worried about um, my I'm worried that this is a potential. Like what? should I do? Get advice. Fine. But in this situation, the person was named, the center was named. And like, we need to also understand that this is this person's reputation. This is their livelihood. This is, this could impact their career for the rest of their life. So we need to be really mindful in these situations that yes, of course, number one is protecting the children from harm and hazard. But number two is also, if this is unfounded, we need to protect everybody involved in this situation. So this can be whether it's a parent accusing on social media, whether it's an employee who's speaking badly um, about the company itself. Um this can be anything. Um, in this particular situation, I was really disappointed that, um, and I was working for a big company at this time that had um, legal departments, um, and we were advised that. So the staff member, I'll just preface it by saying this team member was really distraught. Um, another another family had seen it, screenshot it, and sent it through. So the, the, first of all, the team member was distraught. They went on stress leave because they were like, I cannot be here until this has sort, been sorted out. And then, so, which I didn't blame them. Like, how can you, it, it, that would be awful. Absolutely awful. And again, think of the human being behind things. Yes, we want it sorted out, but not to the extent that it is going to harm somebody or somebody's livelihood for the rest of their career. Number two is that when we we spoke to the legal department and we got advice, in this situation, they said that it was um, the advice that we received from the legal department was that it was freedom of speech. They could say whatever they wanted to say on social media, that the best thing we could do was speak to the social media group or page and have them remove the comments. So we did. We spoke to the social media Um, platform and we said you know can you take these comments down which they did they removed the comments no one wants to be involved in um, any malicious or um, defamatory comments being made on social media so um, what we then did was and I was disappointed that we didn't have the support of 
like the head office at this point, but there was no way that I was going to stand for my educator to be put in this situation where there was absolutely no evidence um, to provide. And at this point, the parent hadn't even come forward to the center to make a complaint. Um, They were purely just venting on social media on the public platform um, about an issue, not even getting advice, just sharing on this public, you know, social media platform um, about what had happened. So, of course, we called a meeting with the parent. We spoke to the parent. We said, okay, what's happening? What's going on? What evidence do you have? Um, What do you have to support this? And to get all the information. They didn't have anything. All they had was that their parent come home and, I'm sorry, the child came home and said X and X, this and this has happened. So this is what's blown up from a a child making a remark or a comment um, when they went home. And we know how cautious and, you know, let's face it, guys, like, children they as they start to get a little bit older they start to make stories like we we like to think that children don't lie there's so many like research and articles out there of why children lie or why they bend the truth they're starting to experiment with different stories different things and when they get a reaction it can snowball and so we need to be really cautious um of course cautious both ways investigate if there are any findings absolutely but on the other cautious side is like okay well let's look at the whole picture let's speak to everyone let's get witness statements um let's find out is there anything here and of course you're going to keep a closer eye on it but you need to make sure that there is evidence to support that so in this situation, um, obviously the social media platform took the comments down. Um, we spoke to the parent. We all agreed after an investigation and speaking to everyone that it was unfounded. But to this educator, the consequences were done. Like this is now sitting on them and sitting on their shoulders. And I'm sure it's something that they carry with them for you know, their whole life. And I feel for them. Not at any stage do we want anything like this to happen to anyone, especially if it's unfounded. So in these situations, it's really important that people remember that it's, we need to ensure that privacy and confidentiality until, well, not even until, but, you know, the consequences will happen for this person if it is founded. So we need to make sure that we are, you know, respecting and, keeping in mind that there are humans behind everything. So when an employee speaks badly about their company, it can potentially be considered as disparagement. So that's in a legal context. So disparagement refers to making derogatory or damaging statements about a company, its products, services, or reputation that may harm its business interest. So disparagement can take on various forms, including verbal or written statements, social media posts, or public comments, and can be done by current or former employees or even families. So in some cases, disparagement may be protected as free speech under labor laws um, or whistleblower protections, especially if the statements are made in good faith and relate to matters of public concern, such as illegal activities or unsafe working conditions. However, if the disparaging comments are false, malicious and made with the intent to harm the company's reputation or business interests, they may be considered defamatory. So defamation refers to making a false 
and harmful statement about an individual or entity that can cause damage to their reputation. So in such cases, the company may have legal grounds to pursue defamation claims against the employee for the harm caused. And it's important to note that the legal implications of disparagement or defamation can vary depending on local laws, company policies, and the specific circumstances of the situation. It's advisable for both employees and employers to seek legal advice from qualified professionals to fully understand their rights and responsibilities in relation to disparagement or defamation in the workplace. So again, it's really important to make sure that your policies and procedures support this. Um, We're going to recommend seeking legal advice before you even need it about what needs to go into your contracts, what goes into your policies, um, what goes into your handbook to make sure that you are covered if this ever does occur in your business because you want to make sure that you are covered and you may want to take legal action um, against this person if it has damaging consequences for your business. Now just keep in mind um, with the defamation it's up to you to prove um, that obviously one that the person has said these comments so you will need evidence of that and two that they are not true. So in order for it to be defamation, it has to be harmful and false um, and you need to prove this in these situations. So again, just seek legal advice um, around this situation. But what can you do to avoid this happening in the first place? Um, is really the question that you want to be asking. And I think it's going back again, talking about those policies that we just talked about. So, and really making them clear. So in your orientation process, is it simply just the parent coming in and playing with the children? Or do do you take it seriously that every family that you invite in your service, you make it really clear with what the expectations are. So um, team members have an induction process where you should be going through the code of conduct, what's expected here, um, what is not tolerated here. So very, very similarly, um, parents should go through that induction process as part of their orientation so that they also understand. And they might, you might laugh. Like I remember laughing it off with families, like being like, oh, that's crazy. Surely you've never dealt with that. Well, little do they know that these situations, while sparingly, do come up. And it's really important to make sure that you're protecting yourself. And I think by taking those precautionary measures, even as silly as it might sound, but having that induction process to really clearly go over, okay, if this is, this is our code of conduct, this is what's expected here. Um, This is our termination of care. If you breach any of these policies um, or any of these terms, your care may be terminated and really make it clear about what that is and what your expectations are for stepping foot in the service. Even little things like um, we've had some families come in um, and not even intentionally, but unintentionally swearing in the classroom when they're having conversations with us um, without even blinking an eyelid. Like we, whilst it's up, like whilst they're, when they're at home, it's up to them how they parent and that's fine. But when they're in a setting where there's other children, even though we're mindful because we've been trained um, and we have that training and we're educated with all of these steps and expectations of being around a group of children that are not our children, they're not. So what are the expectations when they step foot in your service? Um, what does that look like? And um, how can you set them up for success before they even start at your service. 
All right, last story for today. Story number three. So legal issues. So um, we had an educator who, oh, I got so many stories about educators, goodness gracious, um, about employees. Um, but this employee, the one we're going to talk about today is that the employee filed for wrongful termination. So there was an eg- a legal issue with a former employee. They filed for a wrongful termination lawsuit against the business. Um, it was really stressful and a really timely, like time costly um, situation. So it definitely took up a lot of time and resources to resolve. Um, we had to get a lawyer involved. We had to gather evidence and we had to go through a lengthy legal process. Um, and it was sort of like a wake up call. So to in order to be more proactive in protecting the business from any legal issues. So, and this is what I mean, any situation that comes up with a little or big, it sort of is that wake up call, which is like, oh gosh, what can we actually put in place? Or why didn't we already have that in place to protect ourselves, to protect our um, employees, to protect our business um, when, if this situation ever does happen? So this is why I feel like it's really important that we share these stories. And again, I hope these never happen to you and I hope these have never happened to you. But really, it's about thinking about if this did happen, do you have everything that you need in place at your service um, to protect yourself, to protect your employees, to protect the children? So what to do in this situation? So this is if you have a wrongful termination suit. So if the employee of your business is filing for wrongful termination, it's important to take the matter very seriously um, and respond appropriately. So here are some steps that you can take. Um, So one, you need to review the claim. So carefully review the details of the employee's claim for wrongful termination. Consider the reasons cited by the employee and gather any relevant documentation or evidence related to their termination, such as one, employment contracts, two, performance evaluations, three, disciplinary records, and four, any relevant policies and procedures at the service. You want to make sure that you seek legal advice. So it's advisable to seek legal advice from a qualified employment law attorney who specializes in wrongful termination cases. So they can provide you with expert guidance on how to proceed including your rights and obligations as an employer and help to navigate the legal process. You can even pay them to deal with the whole situation for you so you don't need to deal with it. Now, the cost that this will take on your mental well-being, the cost, like the financial cost of paying a lawyer to deal with this is going to be worth it. So don't feel like, um, you know, saving a penny is going to be the be all and end all and that you want to save all your money, like do what you can to protect yourself and your own mental health and well-being as well. Number three, is respond promptly. So it's important to respond to the employee's claim in a timely manner. Ignoring any or delaying the response can potentially exacerbate um, the situation and result in legal consequences. (coughs) Excuse me. 
So you want to make sure that you're professional, respectful, and factual in your response and avoid engaging in any confrontational or emotional exchanges with the employee. So sometimes it's not possible if, I mean, I know how much we care about the people that work with us and the people that work for us. And sometimes in certain situations, you you can't respond unemotionally so sometimes in certain situations as I said it's better to pay a lawyer or somebody else to respond on our behalf because that way it's very factual there's no emotion involved um, and you're not troubling yourself or your well-being so really make sure that it is non-emotional and that it's very factual um, in your response Number four, you want to conduct an internal investigation. So you want to, um, in your investigation of the allegations, um, so the, the employee is um, has an obligation to let you know exactly what they are um, what their issues are. So they need in the, in the claim, um, it will state work like point for point with what they're claiming and why it's wrongful termination. So in your, um, it may involve interviews with relevant parties, gathering evidence, reviewing relevant policies and procedures. So be really thorough, impartial and objective in your investigation and document all findings. So in certain situations, um, Fair Work Australia may even come out and conduct their own own external investigation to see if any anything any they have any findings. So in certain situations such as um, bullying or, or harassment, um, any allegations of the sort, um, they will come in and do their own external um, investigation to see if any of the findings um, are factual or not. Um, Number five is to consider mediation or settlement. So depending on the circumstances, you may consider um, engaging in mediation or settlement discussions to resolve the claim amicably and avoid prolonged legal disputes. So this may involve negotiating a resolution such as financial settlement or other mutually agreeable terms. So there's certain situations that um, have come up often. So when you're buying a business, make sure that you seek legal advice with what you need to have in your contracts. Um, If all of the employees' entitlements have been paid out um, and their years of service do not carry over, so it's really those. That's a really important note. Um, Obviously, bullying and harassment, um, an employee going on stress leave, um, or in this case, obviously wrongful termination. So the next one is number six, to review and update your policies and procedures. So use the opportunity to review and update your business policies and procedures to ensure compliance with applicable employment laws and regulation. So this may include revising employment handbooks, um, updating training protocols and improving communication and documentation practices. So seven, you want to follow applicable laws and procedures. So ensure that you follow all applicable laws and procedures relating to wrongful termination claims, including deadlines for responding, providing required documentation and participating in legal proceedings. Failure to comply with legal requirements can result in um, adverse legal consequences. And this is the most important detail. So whether it's to do with families, whether it's to do with educators, whether it's to do with um, anything in your service you need to get really good and document 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 so throughout the entire process keep meticulous records of all communication 
documentation and steps taken in response to the wrongful termination claim. These records may be important for defending your childcare business in legal proceedings. So if you're a little standalone service, unfortunately, in most circumstances, um, they'll have like a mediation session um, and they'll request payouts. And most, I'm not a lawyer, so you need to (laughs) seek legal advice just to put that little disclaimer there. Um, But in most situations, your legal team will say to pay it out. And it really irritates me that this happens because I'm a very just person. And I'm like, if we did something wrong, absolutely. But then learn from it and update all of your things. But if we've done nothing wrong, then why would we be paying it out and not going through? But what I've learned over the years is that sometimes just paying it out is so much easier on you, like on on us as as owners, as business owners, because it's so much time, it's so much stress, it's so much energy that like you may as well just pay it to just make it go away. And um, I'm not saying that in every situation or circumstance that this is the right thing to do. And of course, it's personal and seek independent legal advice, absolutely. But also take into consideration your time, effort and energies as well. If you're a big business and you've got a legal department and they're going to fight it on your behalf, oh my gosh, fight tooth and nail. Um, And I've been in a situation again, working with a big corporate, big company um, that um, many, 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 many years ago that I was accused of um, bullying and harassment. Um, They went on stress leave. Um, They had, there was this massive big investigation, Um, probably one of the most awful things that I've ever had to go through. So when they sit down with you, they talk you through all of the the, um, accusations um, in word for word in detail, and you need to respond to each one. Again, what got me through this situation was my level of detail with my documentation. So um, I kept a diary and I would have diary notes. Um, even if they were like um, short, that's fine. But I diary noted um, any incident because you just don't know what's going to be relevant. And this is the biggest thing, like something can turn into, well, nothing can turn into something so quickly that, um, you know, if you're a leader or you're a director, protect yourself and protect the business, have a diary diary, a private diary or your calendar, make private notes in your calendar because this is what will get you through your documentation. Um, In that situation, they were unfounded. It was a very long and very arduous process. Um, So it was unfounded, but still you need to make sure that you have these this documentation so that when you do or if you do, I hope you never do, um, but if you do have to go through this process, you've got that to back you up. So dealing with a wrongful termination claim from an employee can be complex and challenging. It's really essential to handle the situation with professionalism, follow applicable laws and procedures, seek any legal advice and thoroughly thoroughly investigate allegations, um, taking a proactive steps to prevent wrongful terminations and regularly reviewing and updating your business's policies and procedures can also be helpful to minimise the risk of future claims. 
Now, it was indeed challenging, but it taught me the importance of having legal safeguards in place. Um, I reviewed and updated our employee contracts, policies and procedures with help of a lawyer um, and ensured that they were legally sound. Um, I also made sure to document any all employee-related matters, including performance evaluations, feedback, any disciplinary actions taken. And additionally, I obtained, um, we always have anyway, a liability insurance to protect our businesses um, from potential legal claims. And this is where that will fall onto your liability insurance. So these measures help me to mitigate any risks and future um, protect my childcare business from any legal issues. Now, there are a few key things that you can do to protect your childcare business. So remember that prevention is better than cure. So taking a proactive steps to safeguard your business is essential. By having thorough documentation, updated contracts and policies, um, and of course, you've got your liability insurance, you can minimize risks and protect your childcare business from potential challenges. So again, ensure that you've got thorough documentation. So documenting everything that happens in your childcare business is crucial. So keep them of records of injuries, incidents, accidents, and relevant information. So written reports, photographs, witness statements, um, and make sure that you also document all communication with parents, um, staff, and other parties involved. You just never know where it will go. And um, often when you have an issue with a parent, they'll know that there's an issue. Like there'll just be that um, bad, not bad blood, but those bad feelings. And as soon as that trust and that respect has been breached, often what will happen is that that parent will end up making a complaint. The regulatory authority will come out and investigate. Um, And it's fine because that's their obligation. They need to investigate all complaints that are made and it will be founded or unfounded. But again, that documentation is going to keep you and your business safe. Um, review and update contracts and policies. Um, seek legal advice around doing so. So whether it's your employee contracts, parent contracts, enrollment forms, um, and any other legal documents that you have in your service to ensure that they're up to date with all of the current legal legislation. And then of course, we have our insurances. So just know um what insurance you have, how much it covers you up to and what is covered and what is not covered under your insurance. Um, And you can, um, these are sort of give you a bit of peace of mind. It's one of the most expensive um, investments, but again, it's for that peace of mind to protect you and your business. Now, my recommendations for you at this point in time is to schedule some time to stop and instead of being reactive, be proactive. So think of all the possible scenarios that could happen in your service or that potentially have happened to you in other services and really spend the time going through um, and working out what you what would we do if this happened? How are we going to respond? And not just with the children, but with families, team members, and also with yourself. So um, partner up with a lawyer and review all of your documentation. So contracts, make sure that they're legally binding. So lawyers are great for brainstorming worst case scenarios. This is what I love about them because the way I function is like, tell me worst case scenario here and then I'll work my way back from that. And in any situation, it's the best because you really want to think about, okay, what is the worst case scenario that could happen here and how are we going to plan for that so that that 
we minimize the risk of that ever happening. So, and um, workshop it. So, workshop it before they happen so that you can make necessary adjustments to avoid any risk in the future. Um, Add them to your emergency risk assessment. So, you should all have your emergency risk assessments there. Um, These are your risk assessments that list any potential emergency or threat that may happen in your service and what you would do and how you would respond in those situations Um, in relation to protecting children from harm. um, We also have obligations to our team and ourselves to protect our business from harm as well. So I just wanted to do a little reminder of that. So at least three policies, again, that I want to recommend that you have in your service, code of conduct for families, termination of care, and three, violence or threatening behavior policy. But update all of your employee contracts, your handbooks to make that and recommend incorporating a... um, induction for your families who are starting in your service as well you get to choose who comes into your service like when you're clear on who you are and what you stand for and on the flip side what you will not tolerate it makes it really clear to everyone and I always say clear is kind from Brene Brown thanks Brene um, but clear is kind and when you make those expectations clear up front you're allowing those families to come in and join your family and but they need to know those expectations up front in order to follow them there's no point going through it after the fact so that's all we have time for in today's episode so my little public service announcement today so we hope that the stories and tips we shared in today's episode have been helpful in understanding how to protect your childcare business remember that challenges will arise but with proper preparation and proactive measures you can safeguard your business and continue to provide high quality care for children um, your team and yourselves so thank you so much for tuning in to the everything early childhood podcast um, don't forget to subscribe and tune in for our next episode Um, but before I go um, I wanted to share with you I'm excited to announce that we now have an ask us anything link on our website so this is your opportunity to have any questions or challenges on your mind answered in future episodes so please go to www.platinumed.com.au backslash ask dash ask dash anything and you can place your anonymous questions ready for us to uncover so until next week um, keep making every moment count um, bit of a serious episode today but we'll make it a light one next week look forward to catching up with you then thanks for listening to the everything early childhood podcast if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review we read them all (laughs) to catch all the latest from me your host lisa brown you can follow me on facebook and instagram at lisa brown underscore platinum ed thanks again for listening keep making every moment count and i'll see you next time